0: Welcome to Career Crashers, where we tell the stories of those who are not content to wait around following rules and hoping for good things to happen. Great careers aren't found, they're forged. It's time to crash the party. Have you ever tried learning a new language? If you have, what was your experience like? If you're like most people, you probably got excited, learned a few words, maybe even paid for some tutoring sessions, and then life happened. Your passion for that language was enough to get you about 25% of the way there, more or less, but it didn't quite fuel you through the harder part crossing the chasm of steady practice and increasingly difficult concepts.
1: I took 12 years of Spanish in school, but all I remember is donde está la biblioteca. Like, where is the library, right? And a lot of the ways we're taught are like quizzes and games and flashcards. And like, that's really not how our brain naturally learns the language. It's really this contextual immersion piece that we need.
0: Now, personally, I've always been a huge believer in graded exposure. This idea that instead of going full speed into something and then burning out, you gradually expose yourself to more of it and at increased difficulties. Learning anything in this manner makes you far more likely to retain and improve over time because it sort of flattens the curve known as the dip going up at first and then peaking and then back down to what's known as the Valley of Despair where most people quit before finally climbing upward again this time to infinitely greater heights. That is where you truly master something. The the dip phenomenon traps tons of people trying to learn all kinds of things. Languages are just one of them. They're usually something we learn out of pure curiosity rather than a practical reason. So it's easy to slip out of the habit of practice. So I sat down with the three co-founders of a new company called Toucan that's building a Chrome extension to solve this problem. Taylor Neiman is their CEO.
1: So we're really one. At solving the time aspect by layering on top of existing behaviors, meeting people where they already are throughout the full third day, which we're super excited about, right? This is the key thesis of two where we've built so many consumer tech products before and we know how hard it is to steal time out of people's very busy days. And then the other piece of it really is that contextually emergent. Like you're we're layering people on top of Twitter, LinkedIn, Medium like TechCrunch, whatever sites they're using and love and giving them micro doses, micro bits of learning over and over again, like on top of things they're excited about so it doesn't feel like this constant repetition. So I've learned a ton of languages growing up, like mentioned Spanish, right? Like I took 12 years of Spanish, can only say don't you biblioteca. Like that is crazy. I can only say it. I. where is the library? Also took French in high school. Like, pretty much got to the point of fluency of I did not have to prepare for any oral exams. Like, I just went into the classroom and started gibber jabbering in French. But after graduation, completely lost it. And then I taught myself Portuguese with like textbooks and YouTube videos when I was in college, studied abroad in Portugal. And it's still the language that I'm like keeping up with. But like, I noticed I had spent so much time trying to learn and it wasn't in my brain for whatever reason. Like, all that time wasted, lost. And, like, languages are just a human fundamental need for us to communicate it. Like, I've been very, like, blessed in being able to travel all around the world. And a lot of it because of I've played combe- competitive volleyball my entire life. And experiencing these different cultures and actually saying something to someone else, like, breaks down so many barriers and gives you that point of empathy for other people that I knew I wanted to do something languages education specific because like not only could it be a massive business that does a lot of good in the world which has huge ripple effects for everyone. We want to be one of five consumer tech products that people use every single day and what's interesting about Toucan is we almost become one of those de factos because we're probably layered on top of one of those other five, right? And so how do we kind of squeeze ourselves in there?
0: Now, Toucan's vision for education goes far beyond just languages. What they're building is architecture that can allow anyone to learn anything in context.
1: We are laser focused today, right, on languages. And even just that has a massive opportunity. But every time we're building features and our larger, like, um, machine learning side on what we're calling a learning engine, we're thinking, how could this potentially apply to other content verticals, whether that's science, history, math, sports trivia, really whatever you want to learn, because we really could power all of that. And so we have that in the back of our mind, and that's really where we want to be. And I think we become an iconic company not just expanding the content vertical endless possibilities, but also the possibilities on the product vertical side. Like, okay, two can layers on top of your web browsing activity across every browser. Now, what does two can look like layered on top of mobile? Like the most popular social app, messaging app, browsing activity there. Like what does can look like in audio where everyone's walking around with AirPods or voice with like Alexa at home or even you're walking in the physical world with snap spectacles or Google Glass and you see a subway station sign or a restaurant menu and that triggers micro-moment learning.
0: Okay, so by now, if you're wondering How the hell does she do it all herself? Don't worry, she doesn't. Taylor has two amazing co founders right next to her in the trenches. So
1: Brandon and Sean are two insanely talented individuals. Brandon on the product side and Sean on the engineering side.
2: Uh, My name is Brandon Dietz. Hey there. I'm Sean. I've been in LA Tech for about Ten years or so. I just
3: started programming when I was really young. I just kind of taught myself how to do it, right? Like I was using the family computer to like make an iPhone app. I remember like building this out and getting downloads all across the world in countries I didn't even know existed at that time, and just thinking like this is the coolest thing of all time. Like this thing that I built in my bedroom was being used by people all over the world.
2: Uh, before this, I was uh, at a little company called Riot Games that made League of Legends. Uh, I was there early on as a product manager and got to help out with man, just about everything, which is the cool part about being at a company that's that early and scaling that fast is that you have like a front row seat to seeing how a company like that deals with scale and manages scale, right? Like this is an MBA in internationalization issues and like, you know, hardcore tech scaling issues, which was incredible.
3: Throughout middle school and high school, I just bought a bunch of iPhone apps. By the end, had about 13 live on the app store and across that whole experience was working with different startups in LA, uh, doing contracting work. Eventually met Steve Gatina, who's the founder of Prey.com. That's actually where I met Taylor. We were within the science incubator. Taylor was at another company. Uh, it was really quite magical because Taylor is the best at business development and partnerships. And at the time, I was always looking to do side projects and getting advice from her. And she was building an app, so we were talking about how to build apps. Um, and then eventually I joined FAIR as an iOS engineer. And at that point, Taylor, Brandon and I were like, we got to build something. And it was just kind of the dream team at that point.
1: We'd been in the weeds together in these high growth, very stressful environments. Know how each other reacts to these situations, but also like we really respect each other's skill sets. We have that work history and just like our friends at the the core of it. But they're also like really good humans, which is always the best combo.
2: What do
0: you get when you put three super close co founders into one company who have history working together and scaling consumer tech startups?
1: we've seen the craziest things you can ever imagine as well as like really good things and so we can pick and choose from these experiences like what do we want involved in our company our culture from day one that and have that insight and like intentionality behind what we're building so even our recruiting process and hiring process like we do a lot on the the culture side not only do they have to be a really talented individual but like are they also a good human and not even a culture fit? Like, are they a culture ad? Because if you're trying to get a culture fit, you're going to get a lot of the same people. That's what happens over and over again, right? And so from us, it's like, how do we get additions and like new opinions and different types of people part of Toucan and what we're building, um, which then allows us to recruit even more amazing people.
0: I've never heard anybody phrase it quite that way. Um... Not just a culture fit, but a culture ad. That, that that's so important, Taylor, because you're exactly right. Like you want people, you want people to shape the culture. Like it's it would be unrealistic to claim that new hires don't aren't going to impact the culture.
1: For sure. And every new person you add does like change it completely. And so like are they adding in what way, in what positive manners do they bring like extra value to everyone?
2: I think all three of us have this understanding or belief that a product, as much as we had this idea, and we brought it to the table. The future of Tucan is absolutely going to be defined by the people at its company. Products inherently are reflections of the development teams that worked on them, which means that uh, the people that we hire, the diversity of those perspectives and opinions and 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 you know life experiences are what's gonna create that tapestry of what Tukin will become. And so for us, we also know that, that good decisions don't come from a homogenous, like an echo chamber. We, we've seen companies in which that echo chamber was fatal. Uh, and so for us, we want people that can you know productively disagree, that can have a different perspective on these, that can uh, give us so much insight into a, a, a world that we had no idea, because that's not only how do you solve problems, that's also how you, you discover opportunities.
0: I just love Toucan's approach to culture building. Um, They're so intentional about it. And they've actually got three defined company values on which they base all of their decisions.
1: One is around wonder, like having people really like take the time to have like, not really like children, like think what it could be like, like that creative, creativity, like that spark of joy, like how do we harness that within, again, like as a team, within the product for our users, like how do we get people to have that sense of wonder, is one of them. The other one is around empathy, like having empathy for our end users, but also internally as we're communicating with one another, um, like team, having hard conversations, but as long as we're coming from a place of empathy, really trying to understand the other person's point of view, like, really helps in having those like hard conversations. And the other piece is growth mindset. So like, there are always ways to learn, improve, better ourselves. Like, how can we keep wanting to do that? As a team organization, no matter how big we get or how successful
2: we get, everyone needs to have that foundation of you have to like be curious, like part of the wonder part. You have to have empathy and kindness because you're just not fun to work with if you're not. Uh, the world, I'm sure, is littered with companies that hired uh, the super smart, excellent jerk that just drove the rest of the team mad, uh, and then that you have to be able to get stuff done, which is like the impact side.
3: No matter what problem you're trying to solve in the world, there is a massive value in empathy, right? And I think that that's something that the Two Can team demonstrates really well as like, we're solving a really difficult technical problem and also a product that hasn't really been built before, but we're doing it with massive amounts mm-hmm. of respect for both like our team as well as our customers, which is really exciting.
0: I've heard from from a lot of um very respected product people that empathy is actually like the number one trait <laughs> that you can have in building a good product because it is what allows you to build for the user in a more effective way.
3: And Brandon is one of the most empathetic people in the world. like i'm I'm so excited that he's leading our product. <laughs> like he's just so good and also just such a good human. I, fun fact, I call him the unicorn of product people uh, just because once you work with Brandon, it's like, it's impossible to work with another product person. I mean, yeah, Brandon is just so good.
2: <laughs> uh, Riot Games was an absolute crucible of that. There is this uh, understanding amongst product managers where if we brought in someone, you saw, read them for an interview, we actually had a lot of product PMs fail out of the interview because we just looked at each other like a, a development team here would rip them apart <laughs> uh, because our development teams are so independent. We give them so much free reign or, and we give them so much agency to be able to build what they want, say what they want and do what they want. And if you have a product manager that's not able to listen and not able to form teams and not able to lead from uh, as, as like a servant of the team. And to like not be able to have that level of empathy and like think they're going to come in like, well, I'm a big shot product manager. You're going to do it because I told you so like you're going to get crushed. Uh, And so I think I had years and years of being in some of these high velocity, high pressure teams in which that was the expectation, the thing. And you you learned very quickly when you were kind of going off the rails on there.
0: I love that so much. Okay. What are some of the ways in which you guys are building the culture, like team building activities or h- however you think about that?
1: So this piece is really fun for us because like I think ideas are a dime a dozen. Like you, there are so many ideas out there, but it really comes down to team and execution. And like team is one of our ma- amazing like competitive advantages. So like how do we build a culture around that, Right. Mm-hmm from very simple things of, like, we have our daily uh, team stand-up, but at the end of it, like, we have a little toucan, which I have somewhere on my desk, but we pass it off. Whoever had it the day before gets to give public kudos to whoever they want on the team, kind of, like, virtually throw it over to them, and then they change their Slack icon to a toucan that whole day. And then the next day, they can pass it off to whoever they want. So, like, really promoting, like, okay like thank you but in public and recognition piece and then even more fun things like Fridays there is and one of our engineers has like taken on this role of like he creates a theme asks a question like what is your favorite Thanksgiving like dish or like where do you want to go on vacation everyone changes their Slack name to whatever the answer is so <laughs> great a lot of entropy because you're like, oh shoot, who, who is this? Who am I trying to message right now? But it's such a fun way to get to know everyone. And then at standup, people kind of explain why they changed their name to what they did. Um, in addition to that, like we have optional on Wednesday nights, like game nights. We've been playing Among Us the past few weeks because we really like it as a team. Um, and then uh, Airbnb experiences, they have virtual ones going on. So we've been doing one of those every month. And then also as a team, like very optional too, but we have 10 a.m. meditations. And I think what's key for this is like, this isn't just top down. It's something that we tap. And then if the team likes it, one of our team members really leads. And so each of these different initiatives are led by someone on our team.
0: Did you set out to build a really fun company? Because that's what it sounds like.
1: I mean, if you're building your dream company, you just naturally get to do that, right? Like, why wouldn't we build an amazing culture or take the time to do that? And like hiring so hard for so many teams and companies, like, but it's people that make you win. So like investing time and taking that time and intentionality to do that not only is it a good business decision, but also if I'm spending 10, 20 years building this iconic company, I want to work in this place too. You know, like I'm also an employee, even though I'm co-founder CEO. It's
0: a great outlook to have. Okay, now let's dive into that a little bit more. How, what do you encourage people to think about when considering Tucan as a place to work?
1: this is a great question because i think it hits on like not only the massive potential but, like as a stockholder themselves like could be a very lucrative opportunity right it's a lot of the 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 hype of just high-growth tech companies in general like hopefully your stock options will be worth something but i think our kind of key shift too is like making sure we're taking care of our employees as humans also like having that culture side because so much of work and life is splendid. And it's one of the reasons why when we gave up our office to go fully remote, we didn't just keep our benefits the same because now we were saving so much money on not having to pay rent on our office space or pay for food or coffee or snacks. Like we still wanted that money going to our employees. There's no reason why benefits shouldn't be updated that way, right? To make their lives better. And so we took the time to go do that. And uh, we created a Notion doc around that and you might have seen it too. But it's like amazing, beautiful. And I think it's a testament to like not just having it to help recruit new employees, but like really getting the team to use them. Like, hey, this is going to help your life because you're a human first and you're like doing work also to add value. But like you need to take care of yourself along the way.
3: One of the things I learned early on is that relationships are really important right, with your coworkers, family, obviously, friends, like all of these things, relationships are key. Um, and tech is such a small world. And like uh, my relationship with Steve is incredibly valuable, like such an incredible mentor for me. Um, like I, I have massive respect for everybody at Prey, massive respect for everybody at FAIR, like all of these really valuable relationships. And I see that forming at Toucan too. Right. And I think like that's one thing that excites me so much is just like the relationships that we're building. The whole team is really cohesive and we work super well together. Right. Like Brandon on the product, Taylor on business. Like even at the very beginning, it was very strong collaboration across all three. Right. And that created an environment for me to be able to go and program like in a very effective way. And now as I'm like transitioning more towards management and CTO responsibilities, it's really about how do I create that environment for our team to do that, right? How do I create the environment for our team to feel like they can have creative freedom and really like grow in
0: their roles? How do you think about what kinds of people you would love to see working at Toucan and and what kinds of traits or what kinds of people your company is probably not a good fit for?
1: Yeah, so almost describe these people as somewhat of unicorns, like who are insanely skilled and talented in their field, right? Like they are so good at what they do, but that they're also kind, humble, good humans. Like the amount of people that we've interviewed that are amazingly talented, but also massive assholes is like out of this world. And like, you can really tell during an interview, doing references and really being able to weed those people out. And I think that's an important piece for us because as I mentioned, like people, we look at them as culture ads, Like, if you're throwing a bad apple into the mix, it's going to sour everything for everyone. And that's, like, really important, especially when you're so early.
3: Taking a weekend to build a project or taking a a week to build a project really speaks volumes. Uh, And, like, anytime I, I get to talk to people about their projects and see that they're excited about it and, like, hear their vision for it, like, that's what really gets me excited.
1: I have been in so many organizations that just look at the logos on your resume. And like, as I see those people getting hired around me, like, what, why? And then you see other people that don't necessarily have those logos or those experiences on their resume, but they just get things done. They're so eager to learn. They're so scrappy. And they're, they're asking for help, asking questions. There's like that humble aspect, but like, such a high velocity of like getting up to speed that like totally willing to invest the time to help them because they're eager themselves to get there. You want to invest in people, help them grow and actually like even give them that opportunity to even be part of that experience and journey as well.
2: It is kind of easier now today to just build something than ever before. Build it for one person, build it for your your, your grandparents, your brother, your sister, your few buddies that think you'll get a kick out of it. Uh, just make something. Show that, and like practice what it means to to see a problem or see an opportunity and capitalize on it. Not only you definitely have to have all your hard skills in, right? Like from a product manager, that might be, you know, how to use Jira, you know, how to organize backlogs. You kind of have an idea of prioritization techniques, project management techniques. As a designer you have to be able to do some decent levels of graphic design and and you know user experience flows and gray boxing but once you get past that technical foundation so much of it is how well and elegantly do you solve problems and how well do you think about problem solving right and so you know, practice like you know, make something. Make a web page, Make an app. Make a doodle. Make anything that can convey and and speak to other people. Which is honestly this this such exciting time in technology in which if the tools are becoming more and more accessible, power becomes more accessible. And not power in like a dominant form, but power in an expressive form, an influence form. It becomes so much more accessible and easy to use. And you, as an individual developer of any stripe can have such a larger impact as on your own that you did, you know, years ago, if you get one or two people and you kind of create a team, you can create something that even if it's like not perfect, it'll, you still are able to demonstrate a lot of those skills, a lot of those, those bits, which is what I really look for in portfolios and, and, and projects. Um, as much as I am looking for like, hey, does this look like it flows well? And then this the thing, I deeply want to know what your thought process was. How did you go about it, this? What did you learn? What did you understand? What were you trying to solve? What failed? Oh man, if I could have someone that has failed a hundred times, that is ideal. Because we also need people that can have a healthy relationship with failure, which is so important. Like that is, you don't figure this stuff out unless you just go straight forward at a problem and like basically hit a wall and you thought it was a door. Like that's, that's just like a thing that is
3: super key. I think like actually being uh very clear with yourself that you're capable for a lot more than you initially think is incredibly important and also communicating that out to the world like asking for what you really think that you deserve or asking uh, asking for advice or asking for help like all of those things are really critical and just being really honest about like what what is possible for yourself is like a really amazing stuff. And I think it just opens up like a world of possibilities.
1: We are going to be growing significantly over the next few months. Go to join2can.com. You can go to the careers page in the footer. Find me on Twitter, just at Taylor underscore Neiman. And would love to hear from you.
0: Like what you hear? Go to crash.co and join the career revolution. If you want to share your own career crash story, send it directly to me at Isaac at crash.co.